really need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. back to Buffalo What's Next. My name is Lorenzo Rodriguez, and today I am joined by Yan Hong Baranski. Uh, she's an Asian American, primarily of Chinese descent, and has been here in the States for some time now, and a member of the Chinese community here in, in Western New York, former president of the Chinese Club of Western New York, and now Yan Hong is a teacher of Mandarin at St. Benedict's here in, in Buffalo. Yan Hong, welcome to our show. Welcome to Buffalo What's Next. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Yen Hong, uh, we wanted to get you in earlier. Uh, last month was Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. But you know what? It's always a good time to speak to others from, from other parts of the world. Get to know another side of humanity that's not from originally from here. Can you explain to me how you're, you're, you're about yourself, your background? How'd you get to uh, Western New York? Hi, hello everyone. So my name is Ian Hong Bransky. So originally I'm from China. I'm from Beijing, China, the capital of China. Um, so uh, first time I came to the U.S. Um, 1995, and then like 1998 I started to study international business at Duville College. So I graduated in 2003. So I got my B.A. M.A. in international business. So then, because my husband working in China, so then 2003, I got, you know, I graduated and I went back to China. But this time, you know, I moved here 2017 because I have two daughters and uh, they, they come here for the middle school and under mm-hmm. school at that time. So we moved here to Buffalo. Yeah. So now I'm I'm so happy. You know, I not only moved here and uh, I'm surprised I became the Chinese teacher at St. Ben's School. <laughs> That's my daughter's school. And so I'm so happy. And also I'm teaching at Malay College as as well. So then uh, I'm very happy here. So you get to share your culture, your your language to, right, to right. another another community, which is great. Yes. And is your husband from originally from Buffalo? Correct? Yes, he's from Buffalo. He's a originally his family from Hungary, from Europe. I I was gonna get to it. We were kind of <laughs> touching upon that before the interview. I'm I'm almost a stranger in a strange land. I'm I'm a Rodriguez in a in a land of Anglo's and and and, <laughs> and Polish folk. And and your husband is, is with a name like Baranski. It's, it's, it's somewhat a po- Polish, it, name. Polish name. Yes, yeah. But two hundred years ago, their family, you know, they got like a royal family from Poland. So they, they married to a Hungarian king family. So then they moved to Hungary 200 years ago. So then they stay. And uh, so my mother is a, is a Hungarian, but my father-in-law, is a, his, his mother is a Austrian. So Polish and Austrian. Well, yeah, so. you, told me, you told me about your father-in-law. We're going to get to that in just a minute because he does have, it's your father-in-law, correct? Yes, right. That has right. an amazing story. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But yeah, we were both uh, having every moment there because we both moved to, to Buffalo and, and have found a place here uh, to grow and, and raise our children and the things we do for love, right? Right. Uh, but now you are a Buffalonian. You've been living here now for how long again? So since uh, 1917. 
So okay. August 1st, we moved here to Buffalo. And now you're, you're a teacher, but before you were also, and still a member of the Chinese Club of Western New York. Yes. You were president at one point. Yes. So I, I'm the, the former president of the uh, Chinese Club of Western New York, mm -hmm. and I was president since uh, 19, uh, uh, 2019 to 2021 for two years. Now I'm still in the team, yeah. And the Chinese Club of Western New York doing some great things. Under your leadership, uh, this was back in 2020, right? As we were entering the the, the, the craze of, of, of the pandemic and COVID uh, throughout the United States and, and back in China, the Chinese Club of Western New York donated $50,000 of PPE equipment for, for everyone here in, in Buffalo. Yes. To, can you explain, elaborate a little bit more about that? Yeah, so... Um, actually, when I, my husband was working in China, in Beijing, and he came here for Christmas, you know, December 20, uh, 2019, mm -hmm. and he told me, oh, China's, you know, everybody wearing masks, you know, and I said, oh, not so serious, you know, and here we are so safe. Buffalo has no, <laughs> I mean, U.S., nobody wearing the mask, you know, he said, really serious. And I said, oh, yeah, I don't if I, I would have told you, I would have told you a story <laughs> had I traveled back in time. Right. We were waiting to, to experience in yes, the next few months. Yes, and then, you know, then some, you know, my friends and some Chinese doctor here and uh, in Buffalo, they told me that's really seriously. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, we, you know, because at night time, at the end of uh, January uh, 2020, we have a Chinese New Year. Every year we have Chinese New Year celebration. We have like a big performance at UB, Center for the Arts. And, uh, you know, we prepare for like half year, every year, and for half year for the performance. It's a big you know, yeah, the no, lunar New Year is yes, a big, yeah, big thing. Yes, big event for us. And then, unfortunately, we could, you know, we couldn't do that. We have to cancel in the last minute. Mm. You know, so that's, you know, I feel still feel bad because, you know, the people, you know, my friends, you know, even my daughter, they prepare lots of performance. And the, unfortunately, we have to, you know, stop Everything that. Stopped. Yes. Yep. And then, you know, I start thinking, you know, because there's no nowhere to buy the masks in, in, in the U.S., and so then, you know, then I just start to ask the, the community, I said, could, could we donate some money? And the only China has a lots of masks. They are producing lots of masks. I said, let's buy some masks from China and the donate to the local uh, doctors, you know, the hospital. Mm -hmm. We think, you know, because at that time, you know, everything shut down. The school shut down. Everybody go home, you know, working at home. But the doctors cannot. Doctors, nurse, right. and the people working in the hospital, they have to work. Frontline workers they have to fight were, were with finding, the, finding yes. trouble getting Right. They have to fight with the COVID-19. At that time, there's no vaccine, no mm -hmm. nothing. Even people don't think about what's the COVID, you know. I have even no, no name for the Right. For the you know wires, so then I I start to you know arrange this and donation. So then I'm really appreciate you know my community. You know, within two months, you know we fifty thousand dollars. Yes, that's yes. fantastic. Yeah, that's really nice. And also I contact with a, a Jewish community as well. Amara, my friends, and uh, Deborah, you know, and I said, could you please send a link and the, for the donation link, you know, to your community, let them to donate. So some Jewish community people donate too, and. Um, Another my friends, she helped me to you know, um, you know to organize and find yes, where to you know, where yes mobilize all this right, all these right. all these masks and and, 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 right. and scrubs. So and, I really appreciate my community. You know, within two months, you know, we donate you know like fifty thousand dollars. You know, that's now like at same time. You know, so whenever we got some money, we got like one thousand, two thousand, and right away I buy you know buy mask from China because it takes time. You yes. know, and that time the shaping really, you know, bad. Oh, and, and I remember the craze that everyone's once things started getting a little bit more serious here, everyone just started snatching up masks more than than, than what they needed. So I it was know. hard to find. Right, right. Even even as you mentioned, our our frontline workers, our our, our surgeons, our doctors, 
Uh, right. They were having difficulties. Yes, getting yes. It. So I remember the first uh, we bought. You know, the first parts of the mask. You know, we bought from New York City actually. Mm -hmm. So there's like a uh, one thousand mask. We donate to the uh, Buffalo Medical Group, and so. For my, you know, one of the Chinese doctor, uh, Doctor Hua, you know, she introduced me to the the director of the Buffalo Medical Group, and when I went, and uh, I took the mask to the office to the director office, I was surprised because you know the director wearing the he's a gentleman, mm -hmm. he wearing the pink mask, mm. and it's made by the nurse because he used uh, like a towel. Oh, so it's there's no side mask. And... They are in the hospital. Doctors oh. had no mask, and uh, he wore the pink, and they have the. Uh, Seb, oh, he wore the red, mm -hmm. you know, with flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got everything to, from the from the top. You just know. find any, any There's kind no of real mask. mask. I was I was surprised. I said, okay, handkerchief or anything yes, just to cover right, that right. yep. You know, and the, even the, the the picture was on the newspaper, and so then, and after that, you know, I left the hospital and I I sit in my car. It was tough. It was really tough because yeah, I cried because. I said, that's really seriously. Nobody has masks, even the doctors, you know. So they have to work. So I said, okay, let's ask the communities donate more money to give to the, the, the you know, hospitals, you know. We have to protect them. They are the real hero. They are fighting in the first line, you know, to fight the virus. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can stay at home, but they can't. Right. So I really appreciate my community. And the good thing, you know, we really donate. We, we went to over 20 hospitals and nur nurse home, nursing home. And also, I remember once we went to ECMC mm -hmm. hospital in the morning, and we have a reporter came, you know, from Buffalo News, and and she came. And I was surprised, you know, she wore the mask, and I always, like, a broken, teared mask, you know. Yeah. And she said, oh, I have two masks. And uh, every, I use one mask for one week. I have in my basement for and I use another one for one week and I change for two only two masks for, you know for each for one mm -hmm. one week you know and then I said I gave you a bag you know like 20 masks and I said because you're a reporter you have to go out right to interview people and uh, you need to protect yourself too. People, people forget that that life for some were, was still going on we uh, the vast majority of us got to stay indoors work from home but there were still frontline workers that were out there yes. doing important work. It's great that, that you did this. You were you were honored by this. It was yes, the city of Buffalo. Because, yes. So I got the. That's really my honor. But it's a, you know not honor oh, you myself. It. You know. So that's I brought fantastic. this from the major mayor. You know. So Byron Brown. Yes. Yeah, city of Buffalo, County of Erie, State of New York, Executive Proclamation. Yang Hong Na Baranski. This is fantastic. See. Uh, so, Yang Hong, I appreciate you bringing that in. I I appreciate yeah. you telling that that part of your story. And also this one. Oh. New York State Assembly Citation, National Federation for Just Community of Western New York Heroes Award. That's amazing. And Yan Hong, um, I want to, I, I, we're going to delve into this a little bit more, but I wanted to get also just your your experience as a as an Asian American in Western New York. How would you describe that? Besides, outside of the last four, three or four years uh, that were very tumultuous and, and still continue to be for Asian Americans, what would you say is your experience with your identity, with your culture here in, in Buffalo? Yeah, I'm so proud. I'm a Chinese. I'm from China. I'm Asian. You know, I think everybody's different in, like, your... I'm I'm a Cuban-American from Miami, Florida. Yes, you see? You know, I think, you know, because U.S., United States, because why this kind is so great? Because we 
the people from different countries. Mm -hmm. So we put you know different culture together. Let's make the this country more colorful. So that's the I love culture. I love I love different cultures because like the person if we look all the same, it's so boring, right? Right. Because we look different, have different color, have different face, and different you know. It's so different, different culture, different language. You can learn mm -hmm. lots of things. The food, don't forget yeah, the food. Yeah, the food. Yes, <laughs> yes. I like not only the Chinese food, you know, all kinds of food. I love it. So, yes, yeah, so that's why, you know, United States, because that's why this country is so great, because the people are different. So made this country more stronger. And as far as specifically, though, in Western New York, how would you quantify the Chinese population out here, or the Asian American population? Um, we think, you know, like Buffalo, they, they told us like uh, over like uh, 10,000. Okay. But, uh, you know, but, you know, I think including the UB students. UB I had see. like 3,000, over 3,000 oh, wow. U.S., you know, I mean, Chinese students. Is there students. a particular reason? And Is there a program? A big, yeah, they have lots of programs. You know, lots of Chinese students come here. You know, every year they have like over 500 new students, you know, coming from China to study at UB. And I think other schools, but the UB is most. You mentioned everything that took place after after the, the start and, and in the midst of COVID. Unfortunately, in this country, in, in general, nationally, because of, of the previous administrations and, and some of the, the rhetoric and, and, and tone that, that they displayed and, and with COVID and the, the blame that, that, that the Chinese nation is, is receiving for the spread of that, current geopolitical issues with, with China, I mean, it's it's it's... Not, I don't think it's a, it's hyperbole to say that there's been a rise in Asian American hatred here in the United States. Are you seeing that here in Western New York? If so, are, is it is it rising? You know, for me, I think Buffalo is a very nice city. People so kindly, so lovely. So I don't feel that you know way. So maybe others, you know, like a big city, you know, let's happen. Mm -hmm. But the Buffalo, I don't feel. I'll be honest. Well, it's good to hear that because <laughs> it. it I don't want to. I don't want to deal in hyperbole, but it's just, and, and not so much here in New York City. You hear of mm -hmm. inc yes. incidences, right? But Buffalo, no. So then, you know, you know, people complain about that. I say, okay, depends on where do you live, mm -hmm. you know. But it's happened in New York City, but not in Buffalo. You know, I don't feel that way, so I should not complain about that, right. you know. So then, I really feel Buffalo is really safe place, and uh, people so kind, so nice, so friendly. So that's a very good place to live and raise the kids. Yes, that's why that's why I'm, I'm here as well. <laughs> you mentioned earlier the unfortunate incident that you had to stop the prep, preparing for the Lunar New Year. Right. This year, we're, uh, according to the, New York, uh, the lunar calendar, it's the year of the rabbit. Right. A year of good luck. Yes. Right? Yeah. What else can we know about the rabbit New Year? Okay, so then, uh, actually today, you know, I just made you, the dumplings you, with my first grade students, you know. This is fantastic. You brought, you brought so many things. <laughs> like, I feel like we're an auditory medium, but I wish I could show it to all the audience. We have the, the proclamations. The, you, you have now, what's this? Is a bag? Yeah, so you see this very traditional Chinese bag. Mm -hmm. It's like a good luck, the sandal. And then inside, you know, you talk about the rabbit. So I mm -hmm. brought you some like a candy. It's called oh. a big white rabbit. Yang Hong, you know, <laughs> way to my heart. This is fantastic. Look at this. <laughs> so and it's called a big white rabbit. White rabbit candy. So all my students, they love it. Whenever they see me, they say, can I have a big white rabbit candy? You know, so oh, they gonna, love I'm it. I'm going to keep you, this. Yes. I'm and so I brought eight. One at least. Oh. Yeah, eight. You know why I, I brought eight? Why is that? Because in, in Chinese, eight, ba is a lucky number. Ba. Yeah, you can make lots of money. <laughs> so <laughs> well, so, so I, I keep all eight of them? Yes. Oh, yes, they, sure. oh wow. Okay. And bag for you. No, okay, that's yes. so kind. Thank you, Young Hong. 
That's fantastic. White rabbit candy. And now, how's it yes. called in, in Mandarin? How do you print? Da bai tu. Ta bai tu. Yeah, da bai tu. Da means big, big white mm. rabbit. Ooh, tu means okay. rabbit. So this is a rat, you know, year of rabbit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, last year was tiger, mm -hmm. and so next year will be dragon. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Now, yeah. uh, what year? What year were you born in? Dog. Dog. <laughs> Dog. It, what? So it, real quick, I know there's 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 a meaning behind every animal, or there's a there's a theme. Yes, the we year. have twelve animals. Yes, and, and, and dog is what? What dog what? is an honest? So oh, okay. All <laughs> the right. rabbit is like more gentle, you know, like that. Yeah. So dragon is like powerful. So every animal we have twelve animals, you know. So we call the Chinese zodiac. Yeah. And I teach the kids, you know, they learn about the zodiac. They love the the story about zodiac. And so then I check their, you know, which year they were born, and mm -hmm. the whole class, like a, one class, like rabbit, and next, you know, class will be the dragon. So they know what's you know year they were born. And uh, so lots of fun. And you talk about, you know, we just had, you know, during pandemic, unfortunately, we canceled the 2020, the Chinese New Year right. performance. And actually, we start have a in person. But during the pandemic, we had 2021, we had lots of online performance. For Chinese New Year, we have like a virtual. So it had to go on. The show must go yes, on. New Year yes. still comes whether it was you, nice whether because, pandemic or not. Right, right. So then, you know, they can like a video, they are mm. dance, singing, performance, even some you know, schools like my school, the the kids did like Chinese kung fu, and the Lewiston school, and the, and one of the kids we did like a uh, uh, like kung fu uh, fun. Mm -hmm. You know, all coming like dance. You know, and lots of things going on. It's it's really nice. We we put them together. We post on the YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. And so last year and this year we we did at Center for the Arts at uh, UB. So oh, we yes. did the the in person. Performance. So was, finally, after after all this time, this year was the, the first year yes, that we get to it, yeah. because the New Year lands on in February, correct? Yeah, or, uh, either January or February. It, so, it's lunar based. Right, got it. right. Yes. So I had to look it up because I thought I was I was that, and I am. I'm I'm a I'm a rat. Oh, you're right. Yeah, my okay. wife would agree with that. Do you but... know why red red is number one? Is it really? Yes, the red was you know. Do you know which one's the the second one? Ox. No. Ox. Ox. Okay. Because it was you know like the ox take the the rat, you know, they have to pass the river. Oh, so the rat got on top of yes, the ox. And, yes. And oh, because there's the a rat, whole story of all the animals yes, crossing a river. That, right. And the rat jumped from the <laughs> ox. Of course, like got, rats too. Yeah. So we, we think rat is, you know, rat is very clear, clever. Oh. They are smart, oh, wow. clever. So that's why they got, hand, you know, the yeah, first place. You, you, know so you know how to really <laughs> sweeten up to your host. This has been fantastic. Very clever. I got candy. Uh, this has been a fantastic, this is my favorite interview that I've done. <laughs> I'm speaking with Yang Hong Baranski, uh, Asian American of Chinese descent, here with us on Buffalo What's Next, former president of the Chinese Club of Western New York for between 2019 and 2022, still member. What kind of things, what kind of initiatives are is the club currently doing out? Yeah, so actually every year we, you know, we have like two years. For the president, we have two years, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and then this year we just had a new president, Mr. Liu. So then uh, since... Uh, you know, we have like New Year, so mm -hmm. after Chinese New Year, and he became the new president for two years, okay? Got it. And uh, so, so the, then... So does the New Year celebration also yes. culminate with a new president? Right. That's yes. fantastic. Right, right, yes. And then, you know, every year we have like Chinese New Year performance. That's a big, big event for us. And then we have a Mother's Day performance also at UB and City Hall. So in May, May 7th, we have the big, you know, also a big performance. It was really nice. The following week, we have the Dragon Boat, Oh yes, yeah, yes, so yes, we're yes. Going to attend for that. So, so do is there an event thing. out here 
that the, the Chinese club of Western New York is doing for Dragon Boat Racing? Yes, yes. Welcome Wonderful. to attend that, too. Can you can you explain what Dragon Boat is for, for those that, that haven't been around? It's a team-based oh, event, correct? Yes, yes, team-based, yes. There's a, like a history story. There's like a minister. Uh, it's called the Qu Yuan. You know, he was really nice, and the people love him. But unfortunately, he was in jail, and uh, for many, you know, many, many years. And then, and and he jumped to the river, mm -hmm. and the people, you know, don't want the fish to eat him. So then they made like we call the zongzi. It's like a sticky rice inside, and we put that in the south, North China. You know, we put like a date, mm -hmm. and inside, and then with a sticky rice, and also we we use like a. Uh, the bamboo like uh, leaves mm -hmm. and to wrap it and then we steam and you can like uh, you put like a uh, sugar and you eat and oh, in yum. the sauce they put the meat inside it's like salty it's very delicious I love it so then that's the you know they use the boat they go to they put the zongzi into the river mm -hmm. that's the story and then later they have a dragon boat festival for that oh, that's, yeah. I, I've seen the dragon boat races that, that, that teams sign up for and, 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 mm -hmm. and it's round uh the, the Dragon Boat uh, festival period, and it's really amazing. It's just teams of like yes. something like 10, 15. Yes, like team they train, work. yeah, yes. they train for, for months to, for the, for the, these events. Yeah. Um, it's cause, I mean, here, uh, Americans call it crew, or, yes, uh, or right. yes. you see it out, out on the bay, but, but in China, it's, it's, it's Dragon Boat. Yes, right, yeah. I'm speaking with Yang Hong Baranski. She's uh, Asian American of Chinese descent here living in Western New York, former president of the Chinese Club of Western New York. And, uh, and a teacher of Mandarin at uh, St. Benedict. Yeah, so then uh, how can, how did I become the uh, Chinese teacher? Because of, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So then before the Shenzhen school was signed by the Confucian Institute at UB, so they signed a teacher from China. So they come here like for two years or 12, three years, you know, they teach a school, then they switch to, you know, they change to another teacher. But during the pandemic, the teacher cannot go, come from China. So then the principal asked me, I'm the only <laughs> Chinese parent, you know, at school. And then the principal said, you know, Mrs. Bagel, she's so nice. And she said, can you teach Chinese? I said, sure, why not? I, I love new it. calling in life all <laughs> yes. of a sudden. That's fantastic. Yeah. So then I start to teach. I, I love it, you know, because by in Ch to China, you know, what? I, my daughter was, you know, in the internet school. I was teaching English for the mm -hmm. Chinese parents at school. So we have our strong PTA. So then, you know, I love to teach. And I said, why not? And I started to teach from fifth grade to eighth grade. Teaching was a calling for you early on? Or did, did you say, why not? Let's let's give it a whirl. Yeah, yeah just why not? You know, so <laughs> yeah. And so as a, as a teacher, as, as someone who also in your role in the Chinese club of, of Western New York, you're an ambassador. You're you're bringing your your heritage to to another part of the world. Any, anything you can share of your culture that you love to? Yes, yeah, what's the, I what's share. What's your favorite? Yeah, then you know, like today I the candy, the, definitely the candy. The candy. And also, we made the dumplings. Jiaozi, we call jiaozi dumplings. Oh, oh. Jiaozi, yes. Have you had jiaozi before? Yes, 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 yes. Dumplings, yes. yes. So then every year the school, you know, we have the biggest uh, uh, fundraising. We call the dear to dream for the Sunday school, and so then every year they say, okay, let's. Set up one of you know like I gave like uh, the making dumplings for that you know so so then which is not easy dumplings <laughs> yes, is not easy to so make so while the parents and the god you know win the you know and so then the auction you know so then uh so then I choose the first they have a few you know four four kids in our school so now I I choose the oldest one oldest daughter she's in the first grade I I think first grade you know older so they can mm -hmm. make so then today I brought like the 
the dumpling skin, and the last night I made like a filling, you know, like a ground pork with a uh, Chinese cabbage and some onion together mixed together. I put oh, some yum. soy sauce and some ingredients, you know, for the dumplings, and then I brought to the school, and the kids love it. The first time, you know, I said, "How many kids? You know, how many of you had?" A, Dumpling before mm -hmm. I said yes, I need me. They really love dumplings, but they never make dumplings at you know before. They're not easy. You have to pinch and fold and yes, and right. I show them how to do it. They love it. And I brought my hot pot. Oh, <laughs> I, my hot pot, you, you know, steam them. In, yes, in the, that's wow. like an electricity hot pot. So then I you know I boil the water mm -hmm. and I put this in my hot pot. It's two sides because then we can eat like one side spicy, one side not spicy. I explain to them what's the hot pot. Then we use the hot pot, you know, and then boil the dumplings. They love it. So then they made the different shape of the dumplings and then they ate they said oh so so delicious so i'm not gonna be greedy because i got <laughs> i got eight delicious looking candies in front of me but i would have loved some dumplings too <laughs> <laughs> uh, yang hung we're almost towards the end of our interview but i wanted to ask uh as a president of the chinese club of western new york uh you received the national federation for just communities award in in 2021 correct yes. um right. can you talk about the work that you did to to overcome racism, bias, and, and discrimination in, in the area? Yeah, I think the because our community is so grateful, you know, we raised money for donate masks, you know, and so I was the president, you know, so then, um, but I for me, not only me, you know, I think I, you know, this our community did this, our jobs, you know, the people donate so much money, we could, you know, buy the mask to, you know, from China to donate uh, to the local hospitals, you know. So as Asian American, as a Chinese, you know, uh, American, so I'm really proud of myself. And I think, you know, you know, because at that time, people talking about like uh, Wuhan virus, mm -hmm. you know, we don't uh, agree for that, you know. And I, we think, you know, we are, we are living here, we are in Buffalo, we belong to the U.S., we belong to Buffalo, we are local here, doesn't matter where are you from, we are Buffalonian, right? So then, you know, we should love the country, you know, we should love the city, and it's a part of our life because we are living here, so that's why we have to protect ourselves. So then that's why our community, you know, donate the money and we buy, you know, the mask and donate the mask to the local, and so we are, we are not afraid to say, oh, because you're, you're Chinese, the wire from China, I totally don't agree. And the doesn't matter I'm from China or not, but I'm now I'm living in Buffalo. So I belong to Buffalo. So we have to protect ourselves. So that's why we have to stand up to do something. So then we want to show people we are part of the American, we are part of Buffalo. So we have to love each other, help each other. Doesn't matter where I'm from, but we have to really help each other. So then that's what we did. 2020, 2021. So that's why they give me an award. And uh, I'm really grateful for my uh, community. That's all my community credit. You made Buffalo your home. It's not your, your native home, but you've made it your home. And, and we're happy that you're a part of our home and, and have helped to, to, to do good within it. So thank you so much for, for all that you did and continue thank doing you. because you're, you're, you're enriching, I think, those students' lives by giving them, learning, teaching them a new language, teaching them a new culture, uh, feeding them new foods that they probably haven't yes, had before. I'm so. so glad. I'm so happy. I can, you know, I'm I'm grateful for Savannah School. You know, we still continue to teach the Chinese, Chinese language. I'm so happy to share my experience, my cultural, my language. So then people know and the, the students know better about Chinese culture. And I love to learn more other cultures too. We gotta get together and, and I'll teach you some 
I'll teach you yes. some everyday Spanish. You teach me some everyday make... Mandarin. Yes, and Mandarin. the dumplings. Yes, dumplings. we got yes. to teach. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned earlier in our interview your father-in-law of uh, Polish-Hungarian descent, and his name is Tibor Baranski, correct? Yes, Tibor Baranski Sr. And very important about him and his story, what's that? What, what can you tell us about Tibor? So during the World War II, you know, he was born in Hungary. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then uh, he was uh, 20 years old. He was a priest. And so uh, that's uh, during the World War II. Mm-hmm. And so then one day somebody, you know, brought a little baby, a few months, 10 months. I remember 10 months old baby. It's a Jewish baby. And then the person told him, you know, maybe the, the boy's parents already, you know. Yeah, in, in, a, in a camp or, 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 or just taken away right and so he's you know he said oh what can i do i'm 20 years old and <laughs> priest right. what can i do with the baby but he said okay i will raise the baby and then he you know he started to you know raise the baby and then the good thing you know after a few months they found the parents so he gave back to the, the baby to the parents and he started to think you know how can he save the jewish people mm-hmm. and then he went to he contacted with the uh, bishop and then also to the Vatican. So then he became the representative in uh, from for the Vatican in mm-hmm. in 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 Hungary. in Hungary. So then he gave like a document because last Sunday we just had uh, his film made from in uh, Hungary. So then we just saw the film. So then he gave like a stamp. Then they gave him like three thousand permission from the, well, the, the German. Yeah, the, and the, the big then, thing that, that that I can't uh, not not bring up. He was he was named righteous among nations, which that's that's a that's a huge thing, and the the nation of Israel basically bestows this to, to folks that have helped uh, uh, the Jewish people during the Holocaust, that helped right. uh, individuals survive and, and and get past all the the evils that that they they saw at that time of the of history. Yes. Uh, that's amazing, and that's that's your your father-in-law uh, who's being honored. He's been honored in in New York City, correct? There's been a mural there, but there's yes. you're trying to get one here and. In Western yes, New York, because right? yeah, last year they paint his picture on the Soho, one of the building on Soho. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, the Jewish fundraising wow. uh, center, they try the Holocaust to, Resource Center in Buffalo, is, yes. is working to right so to they, honor Tibor Baranski out here. Right, right. That's so they wonderful. want to paint his picture on one of the building in Buffalo as well. So now they are doing the fundraising for this. Yeah. If anyone wants to get in contact or, or participate with with the Chinese Club of Western New York. Is there anything else coming up that, that you might want to... You can go to our website. It's called the, the CCWNY.org. And then the it's, Dragon Boat Racing. I yeah. Gotta, I got to make it out. If there's dumplings there, I'm there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we have barbecue, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we have... I'm, I'm in. And the people I'm bring... In. Our community people, they bring their home, homemade, you know, delicious mm-hmm. dishes, you know, come every year. Just, I love that, you know. <laughs> Jan Hong Baranski, like I mentioned, thank you very much for being such a strong advocate of, of Chinese culture here in Western New York, and for giving us your time today on Buffalo What's Next. I appreciate it. Thank you it. so much. Thank you. We'll be back with more Buffalo What's Next after this. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And good morning. Welcome back to Buffalo What's Next uh, for 
Uh, the remainder of our program today, we are going to talk about Buffalo-born poet Lucille Clifton. Later today at the Reading Park outside the Central Library here in downtown Buffalo, a statue in her honor will be dedicated. It's called Spirit of Inspiration. And here to talk about Lucille Clifton, we have Barbara Cole, who is the Artistic and Associate Executive Director at Just Buffalo Literary Center. Barbara, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. And also with us, Sydney Clifton, daughter of Lucille Clifton. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, so much to talk about here. I guess let's just maybe, Barbara, allow you to put Lucille Clifton into perspective for us, being the literary center here in Western New York. Talk about Lucille Clifton. What makes her significant? Well, Lucille Clifton remains one of the most important writers of the 20th century, period. Uh, people all over the world uh, have been inspired by her work and her legacy, Um so many prominent inaugural poets have cited her as a primary influence. Uh, Amanda Gorman and Elizabeth Alexander wrote in The New Yorker that she doesn't think there's an American poet as beloved as Clifton or one whose influence radiated as widely. And so Lucille Clifton is a beloved writer throughout the world. And we are so proud that Lucille Clifton comes from Buffalo. She was born in Depew, New York, and lived here for 32 years. And we are just absolutely thrilled at Just Buffalo Literary Center to be able to shine a spotlight on uh, Lucille Clifton's life and legacy. I turn it to you, Sydney. When you hear that description of your mother, are you thinking of a, a, a literary giant or are you thinking of mom? Uh, all of the above, yeah. actually, um, because we, we recognize her uh, contributions. And the poems that she wrote so reflected her life that it, it was not a leap. It is, it is all of those things. She was all those things to us and continues to be. What was she like as a mom? Non-traditional, I would say, okay. in that although there were there were six of us, my mother had my parents had six children in seven years, <laughs> um, so there was a lot of energy in the house. Um, Mom was very much sort of focused on who are these people, rather than these are my children. Now, don't get me wrong; she was very protective of her of her kids, but she also recognized each of our individual gifts, and I think that although we had. We all shared the mothering. We had individual relationships with her where we had different conversations and different focuses, and she really was able to make us each feel like we were all each her favorite um, <laughs> in, in different ways. Um, she never said that, by the way. Right. But um, I really felt that as a mother, she modeled for us um, being authentically who you are, asking a lot of questions, and, and following whatever your in, your individual bliss was. And it didn't have to be each other's. Um, we never felt like there was pressure to do a thing or this thing or that thing or be ambitious in the way that she was or not ambitious in um, other ways. So I think that as a mom, that, that for me certainly was uh, the best mothering. How but, about the realization that, I guess, when it happened and how it felt when you realized yeah. how big a deal your mom was. It's so funny. I used to go to readings with her um, at times, and my sisters have done the same thing. And when you see the audiences and when you see people responding to her in, in the way that it's like, mom must be something. I mean, it is. Oh, okay. Um, and I have to say, there were times where 
I was equally very proud and intimidated by it. Um, because there's, as a child, you know, you're a little self-absorbed. And you think, like, does this mean that it's she, this fame, this reputation, this work is taking her away from us? And I think each of us sort of struggled with that, or at least asked ourselves the question uh, for a while. But once we saw that this was just another manifestation of when you are walking in that bliss, all, all of you, bring all of you to the table, um, and it doesn't diminish any other piece of you. Once we felt comfortable with that, once we saw it, um, it sort of relaxed. But, you know, I was, I was proud of the lady. I remain <laughs> proud of her. I, I, I yeah, can appreciate that. I'm, I'm proud that she's from Buffalo. That's the way we are here in, mm-hmm. in Western New York. <laughs> we have, I had an old colleague who used to say, if, uh, if you uh, had a layover in the Buffalo airport, we called you a native from Buffalo. But that's another <laughs> story. Um, Back to the, maybe you can give us some insight then. Here is a woman, Lucille Clifton, 14 collections of poetry books, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 18 children's books. Mm -hmm. What did you see in terms of her work ethic? Obviously, with six kids in a short period of time, that that, that on its own is its own full-time job. Mm -hmm. In terms of work ethic and inspiration, what do you, what do you, Mm. what can you give us about that? Uh, In terms of work ethic, uh, I, I can comment on that in retrospect but yeah. as we were growing up it just looked like mom was at the table writing okay. that's what she did that's what she did rather and that's who she was we also recognize that you don't bother her while she's doing that um but honestly we didn't know any different this is just mom and her writing we thought everybody's mother wrote actually <laughs> we, we thought when does your mom do her work where does she like to sit up you know <laughs> because mom wrote at the, at the dining room table primarily and it, and so that was just you know what we knew honestly um in terms of inspiration i think mom found inspiration everywhere she mm. certainly found it in her children with her, with her children's books but i think that we also recognized that for her, the poetry was her resolving some things. And my mom was uh, very intuitive, very curious, very intelligent, um, very creative, very what empathetic. So she also had always had curiosity about people and places and things and historical pe- figures and such and wonder what I wonder what that person's life like was like. I wonder what that felt like for them. And was able to then sort of poem it, as she would say, as she would describe it. She would just poem that out. Um, I think she also recognized that a lot of things were very cathartic for her um, in certain times when there were aspects of her life that she was sort of pushing away. Her being a poet allowed her to resolve, ask the questions, get some closure, give herself some grace often um, on events of her life and people she loved and mistakes she thought she made, et cetera. Um, So I think the inspiration was this helps me, and if it helps me, it could provide a light for someone else because she always recognized that surely she's not the only one who has experienced something like this. Um, And that was a, a kind of service, I think, that her life and her work really, I don't even know if she knew until later in her life how deeply healing her work was for so many people. Barbara, you're a poet yourself. Um, 
the, the life of a poet uh, is a, obviously not one that gets laid out uh, in any kind of a specific structure, but maybe you give us an idea of what it must have taken to get to the level of notoriety that Lucille Clifton had. Can you give us an idea of how that would be? Because as Sidney was talking, you know, I might write some things out to be cathartic and try to work through you know, the, the problems of the day, the issues of the day, but nobody's going to read my stuff. A lot of people have read Lucille Clifton's. How, how, what about that trajectory? How does that evolve? Well, that's a great question, Jay. And I think you're right that there are so many people who uh, there's so many people who are writing at home, but maybe don't have the courage to share it. And what's extraordinary, I think, about Lucille Clifton's life, she started writing poems we know at the age of 10. Mm. That's the earliest poems that that um, we have of hers. And but really, her career was launched when her friend here in Buffalo, Ishmael Reed, who is another incredibly important 20th century writer, uh, Ishmael Reed encouraged her to send her poems to Langston Hughes, who was editing the groundbreaking anthology Poetry of the Negro. And Langston Hughes recognized in Lucille Clifton, who was an unknown writer at the time, he recognized just how extraordinary her work was. And to read Clifton's work now, it is still groundbreaking. But to imagine how groundbreaking uh, her voice and her style and the humor and so many of the um, aspects of it that, that Sidney just mentioned with addressing, you know, she's pulling in African history with contemporary events and her own personal life in almost a confessional mode. Um, there's humor and there's joy. There's also grief and loss. Um, she just was all-encompassing. And um, I think to have a career like Lucille Clifton's would be the dream for for most writers. Um, and but I hope that it's a source of inspiration, uh, the courage that she had and the courage of her convictions um, to never shy away from uh, dark truths or uh, complicated topics. She just brought her courage to the page every day. We're talking about uh, Lucille Clifton today on Buffalo What's Next. As a matter of fact, we don't necessarily just have to talk about her. We can hear from Lucille Clifton. As a matter of fact, we have her reciting one of her poems right here. And this universal poem is called Homage to My Hips. <clears throat> These hips are big hips. They need space to move around in. They don't fit into little petty places. These hips are free hips. They don't like to be held back. These hips have never been enslaved. They go where they want to go. They do what they want to do. These hips are mighty hips. These hips are magic hips. I have known them to put a spell on a man and to spin him like a top. <laughs> well, Sydney Clifton, there's mom uh, taking us in a lot of directions in a short period of time. Exactly. <laughs> what do you, and I could see you were mouthing a couple of the lines, as a matter of fact, so you're familiar with it. Well, what about that particular work and maybe other works like that? Uh, what do we know about it? What does that say about, uh, about Lucille Clifton? That she was audacious and, <laughs> and funny, and this poem was sort of the, the antidote to 
women being ta- taught that their curvy bodies were not acceptable and not okay, mm. uh, particularly black women. Um, so that for me was this. This was like an anthem that uh, that we truly, truly loved, and the, also the fact that she was able to provide that for people. Um, she's like I think many women. I can't say all women, but many women struggle with a lot of sort of body issues and self love and concern and. and um, insecurity about am I attractive? Am I this? Am I that? You know that sort of thing. And uh, this was part of her way of saying, of declaring her independence from those that negativity. And I just, I just love hearing that every time. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney was uh, born here in uh, Buffalo, um, but uh, moved away not too long after uh, her. Uh, uh, with her her large family in <laughs> Maryland. Uh, so this is your first time back in Buffalo. This is my first time back in 50 years. How does it feel? Surreal. Very yeah. surreal. Um, we're going to be doing a Places That the Cliftons Lived tour probably sometime <laughs> tomorrow. Um, and just, But there are things I still recognize. I have sort of flashes of uh, visual memory and... Even sort of these these are the kind of trees I grew up with. These are the this is the landscape. This is how this sort of smelled. Um, so there's something about it that's like deeply resonant, and I probably won't process it for another couple of days. Probably. What about the Buffalo connection in Lucille's work? And Barbara, you could probably uh, speak to this as well. What about that? Uh, you know, we talk about her moving away, going to to Maryland, and uh, you know, that's where her career blossomed. But what about the Buffalo connection? Is it seen in her work? Buffalo is woven throughout her work. Uh, there's numerous poems about growing up on Purdy Street. Uh, you mentioned her books of poems and her many children's books, but she also wrote a memoir edited by Nobel Prize winner Toni Morrison. Wow. And her memoir very much tells the story of her own life woven together with the lives of her father and, and some of her ancestors. Um, and And Buffalo is just so clearly such an important foundational grounding throughout so much of her work. And that's part of the reason why we felt it was so important for Buffalo to really recognize um, Clifton as one of the great writers who has walked these streets and called these neighborhoods home. She is a daughter of the East Side who went on to such greatness. And what an inspiring story for, for all Western New Yorkers. How much do you understand about the Buffalo connection then, Sydney? I mean, again, you were little. Mm-hmm. You're were, you were talking about some some visual things that you have right. and, and, and recall. But what about that when it comes to your to your mother's work? What what did you see? What did you what did you hear? Um, in terms of her her work, I sort of echo. I would just co-sign to what Barbara was, <laughs> was just said so eloquently. But I think I remember as a child. Um, recognizing the we're from Buffalo. Buffalo also was a conversation in our family when we were small or conversations I with adults that I was privy to, whether I was supposed to be there or not. Right. And uh, <laughs> honestly, I think that um, there was something about the foundation and the family being from here of this place um, that, as I recall it, you know, was a steel town and there was industry there and then industry sort of went away and um, what did that mean about the city what did it mean about the community you know there was certainly some separations you know racially and, and um, economically in the in the city so I remember those things impacting my parents conversations and their sort of strategy about how to move their lives forward with all these children um, and I think that 
that's probably why that showed up in in their work because there was in the conversations that I recall there was never any resolve there was always just conversation about here's where we are what is this place for us do we stay do we not stay our family is here what does that mean for them are we abandoning our family are we abandoning our community if we leave what does that mean about us and they still felt like you know, Buffalonians in a way, although, you know, my dad's not from here, but um, this is where they married and then where they started the family. So it, it feels like there's a buffalo sort of in the bones mm. um, in a way that is, um, is is important and still sort of leeches out in certain ways, although I, I can't describe, I don't know necessarily how to describe those for, for me now. Right. But for mom, it, there was always going back to Buffalo, Buffalo being home. Interesting also that you mentioned about, you know, getting kind of a distant understanding of the racial and economic mm. elements here in, in Western New York. We should point out that Lucille Clifton was the first black woman to receive the Ruth Lilly Poetry Prize for Lifetime Achievement. Speaking of race, we have a, a clip here of her being interviewed about that topic. Do you feel that being called a black poet or a black woman poet is... Does that put you off in a subset in a way that you resent? Are there also good things about that? Well, the thing about it is that that's somebody else calling me. It, someone said what you what they call you is is one thing. What you answer to is something else. <laughs> but um, I know people often say I'm a poet who happens to be black. I didn't happen to be black. My mother's black. My father's black. <laughs> Accidentally. <laughs> It's uh, nice uh, to <laughs> 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 uh, give us uh, some humor about a very serious issue, one that has become even more serious, of course, here in Buffalo since May 14th of 2022 when mm -hmm. 10 people were, black people were shot and killed at the uh, tops on uh, the east side, one of whom was your second cousin. Right, Aaron Salter, who was considered the, the hero of that um, horrible incident, was my second cousin. And... Um, it's interesting because even though I have not been back to Buffalo for 50 years, even though I hadn't seen Aaron since he was you know, a little, little boy, it was still family. Um, it was still family that was deeply affected by that and was really hard to process. Now, I, I also recognize that there were other black people killed, and they were family too, not blood-related. But just for to have that level of violence so close, um, deeply, it's still deeply, deeply disturbing. What about the issue of race overall and how it played out in her work? Now, we've heard a couple of comments from her already in a poem as well. What about that? Uh, I'll throw this out to, to both of you. Where, where does it place inside her work? Or is it just one of those things that is so much a part of her that it just extends through her work? I think that that's the case. I mean, she's a black woman. Uh, she always often said that she, I'm a black woman and I, uh, and I sound like one. Um, and as you just heard in the clip, you know, she, she didn't happen to be black. This is something that um, occurs in her life. She's not afraid to call it out. She's not afraid to describe it. And she's not afraid to be to make people uncomfortable. She would say that I come to comfort the afflicted, uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And that was, you know, sort of hashtag, I'm going to tell the truth um, <laughs> you know, in all the ways that she sees it. And she was able to see multiple perspectives. But at the end of the day, there was always like, OK, this is this is nuanced. Um, 
but this is also true. So we, the joy exists, but so does the this devastation. So does the anger and hate and 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 um, ignorance, and all those have to be discussed and addressed. What about that, Barbara? Again, studying her work, and I mean, did you find that there were, I guess, like Sydney was saying to a certain extent, maybe nuanced, but yet the message of uh, racial discrimination and racial lack of racial justice was inside those words? Absolutely. I, I think it's part of what makes Clifton's work so powerful is that she is able, in short poems oftentimes, she is able to navigate very complicated waters, very difficult themes, weave in uh, complex historical moments. Um, you know, this is someone who sat down the day after September 11th and started writing about it or uh, writing about the move incident in Philadelphia. She would have sat down the day after May 14th and been trying to find a way to write about it, write straight into the eye of the storm. But as we heard in those clips, she also brings all of her exuberance for life, her joy, her capacity for just all aspects of life. It was not a simple story. She's not writing about uh, downtrodden, the tragic history of the enslaved people. Um, she is able to look at that history or look at any history and dig into why it is important for us to understand it, why it is important for us to not ignore it or look away from it, but also to be able to celebrate the body of a black woman in all of its fullness, the fullness of her black lived experience, full of joy, full of children running in and out while she's writing. I mean, it is all there, the full life. I will go ahead. I'm sorry. Cindy. I just wanted to add also what in mom's poems where she's talking very specifically about racial, cultural um, iniquity or um, um, difficulties. She, her poems ask a question and that's something that she would also say very often that she's not here to to give answers she's here to make you ask questions even when she's talking about um september 11th um one of her one line in one of the poems of the seven days is that um uh god blessed america we think and so what she's asking people to say why would we think that september 11th couldn't have it couldn't happen here she's always asking the questions and that's something i thought was like deep, I felt deeply radical as a <laughs> as someone growing up with her. I can uh, I can well imagine. Uh, we are going to. I want to wrap up our program with one more poem from Lucille Clifton. So I want to uh, thank both of you for being with us uh, this morning, and also um, invite everybody to go over to the reading park today, five thirty. You can see the new sculpture. I uh, I know you wanted to to plug the the sculptor of this real quick. I absolutely have to say the the sculpture the sculptor is uh, the Nigerian born Brooklyn based Olale Khan Jeyafis who is a genius and brought just such a beautiful vision. So it's not just a statue, it's a sculpture that is designed to inspire whoever is gazing upon it and you really have to come see it to understand it's a shape-shifting, color-shifting, beautiful work of art. We're so proud to give it to the city of Buffalo. Come see today at 5.30. You know, how, does it, how does it feel for the family to have this? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. We're thrilled and humbled. Well, outstanding being with us. Uh, Sydney um, Clifton, thanks for 
coming in. I know you've got a lot to do here in Buffalo, <laughs> and you're and you're uh, coming back. And of course, uh, Barbara Cole is always uh, great to speak with you and have you finally here in our studios. Not, Such a uh, pleasure. Yes, absolutely, Thank for you. sure. This is WBFO and WBFO HD One Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.